We are in week four of our series entitled Right in the Eye. And today, uh, I want to say from the get-go, today's a PG-13 day. So if you have young kids with you, we have environments uh, that I would encourage you to take them in because today is going to be tense. Uh, and we're going to be talking about some, uh, some tense things, uh, all from the Bible, all from the book of Judges, because right now we've been going through this book of Judges. Today we're going to be talking about Samson, and we're going to be talking a lot about sexual intimacy. So uh, PG-13, just want to warn you guys. And uh, if you're an adult, uh, you're going to be uncomfortable. So uh, welcome to One Church. Um, <clears throat> let me just say this uh, as we get started. Has there ever been a time, let me, this is a great question I just kind of want to pose to you. What do you do, what do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? That's a good question. It's also a stinky question because we have to answer that. What do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? Now here's the question I know about all of us. All of us could go back in time, maybe a year, five years, ten years, maybe last weekend, your last business trip, that last spring break, and we can answer that question, and uh, we can do so negatively because all of us, all of us, we go through these seasons, we go through these times in life where we made some dumb decisions, and we made some decisions based on what we, our body wanted, but we knew it was wrong at pretty much from the outset. What do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? And whether it's a purchase that leaves you in debt, whether it's relationships that leave you with guilt, whether you go to places where you wish you would have never, ever went to, showed up to some places, you're like, I wish I could unfriend some people, unmeet some people. I wish I hadn't returned the text or returned the Facebook message. I wish, I wish, I wish. And we talked a lot about that last week. But all of us. Such an important question to answer because how you answer this question is going to determine which path your life goes down. What do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? Well, that's what we're looking at today as we go through our series in the book of Judges. Now, the book of Judges uh, is the sixth, seventh book of the Bible, excuse me, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. And give you kind of a, a brief timetable, Moses gets the people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And uh, he takes them to the edge of the promised land, just at the edge. Moses dies. Joshua, he picks up kind of where Moses left off, and he gets them into the promised land. He kind of sets them up at their dorm, and he gets everything put away in the closet. And then Joshua bounces out. He dies. And it's in this area for 330 years where the nation of Israel just goes wild. And they have some disastrous consequences. They disobey God. And disaster follows, and then they cry out to God, and God delivers them. And again, all of us, we've been there. We've cried out to God, God, we've messed up. We've disobeyed, and because we disobeyed you, disaster has struck, and now we're crying out to you, God, please help us. I hope my parents aren't awake when I get home. I hope she doesn't find out about the text, or I hope he doesn't find out about the message, or whatever that is. And we promise God all of these things. God, if you would do this, then I will do this. And then God comes through, you know, through for us, and, and then we kind of forget our promises. And that's exactly what the nation of Israel did over and over. And the verse that really does sum up the entire book of Judges is the last verse, and it simply says this. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what? What was right 
in his own eyes. Translation, everybody did what they felt was right. Everybody kind of followed their heart. And that sounds good, and we sing, you know, love songs about it, and, you know, our heart will go on, and Titanic and all that stuff. But really, at the end, the Bible says our heart is really jacked up. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So if you're just trusting on your own heart and your own feelings to just kind of get you through what's right in life, I'm going to kind of be the person who's waving you off right now saying, that's not going to go well. That's not going to go well. You see, the reason why Israel kept on getting in trouble is because, we looked at last week, instead of looking up, they kept on looking around. And all of us, we can look back at a time of our lives, instead of looking up to God, we started looking around, and they decided to become like all the other nations. They decided to become like everybody else. And the very nations they copied ultimately held them in captivity. Now, during these 330 years during the book of Judges, we see a cycle happens 13 times, and God raises up 12 judges to be able to kind of be the guardrails to Israel. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, or if you kind of grew up in church, you pretty much know that there's two main judges that all of us know. Gideon, and we're going to be talking about him next week. But today, we're talking about the most popular one, and his name is Samson. Everybody say Samson. How many of y'all have you've ever heard that name, Samson? Let me see your hands. Most of us have, right? And even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably heard some things about Samson because Samson was kind of known for two things. He was known for what? Strength. And I heard somebody say it. Hair. Exactly right. Now, let me tell you, we're going to be looking at Samson's life story today. Samson was born in some extraordinary circumstances. His parents tried to get pregnant, but they couldn't. They struggle with infertility, but an angel appears to them and says, you're going to have a son. And this son is going to be not only special to you because you've had to wait, he's going to be special to God. The Spirit of God is going to rest upon him in a very unique way. So when you raise him, you're going to have to raise him to be different. You're going to have to raise him to be separate and to be called out and to do some extraordinary things. So an angel told Samson's parents that he was going to take a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow. Now what is a Nazarite? Let me give you kind of some context. You see, a Nazarite vow was usually somebody would take a Nazarite vow for, for 60 to 90 days, and it was kind of their attention, kind of a way to get God's attention. Hey, God, I'm going to do this commitment for the next 60 to 90 days so that I can kind of get your attention so that you can kind of follow through with my prayers. People would normally make those decisions, but it's amazing. Samson didn't really get that opportunity to make that decision. It was made for him by his parents. And three things involved in Nazarite vow. First one is there was no alcoholic beverages. Now, some of you, you've already bounced out on that one, right? You couldn't have any grape juice. You couldn't have any wine, anything like that. You couldn't touch any alcoholic beverages. Second thing is you could not touch anything dead. And third, you could not have any haircuts. You could not have any type of hair, uh, cut your hair or your facial hair. Now imagine, if, you, if nobody ever cut their hair or cut their facial hair, how kind of they would look. They would look a little different, wouldn't they? They would. So uh, the, the, what made Samson different wasn't his hair. See, most people think the reason why he had this strength was because his hair, and it wasn't because he used Vidal Sassoon. You see, every time Samson did this, this amazing feat of strength, every time, God's word says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. 
You see, the reason why Samson had this power, had this great strength, is because God's Spirit lived inside of him. And what's interesting about Samson and Israel is they kind of parallel one another. Um, the, the Samson's life is kind of a microcosm of Israel's time during the book of Judges. Uh, God chose Israel to do some great things. God chose Samson to do some great things. God had established Israel to be a light into the entire world. God has established Israel, had called Israel uh, to be a light, a reflection of his glory to all the nations. So God had a very specific purpose and plan for Israel in that same way. God had a very specific purpose and plan for Samson as well. A very specific gifting, a very specific role that he was to play with his life. And in fact, he was going to be so gifted that he was going to attract a lot of attention to himself, Samson was, and he was to redirect that attention to God. But Israel lost track and, and stopped looking up to God and started looking around to everybody else. Samson did the exact same thing. Samson stopped looking to God and wanted to be like everybody else. And Samson, though, wasn't like everybody else. Because Samson had something special. God had given him this amazing feats of strength. So, he's very strong. And Samson was a judge for Israel for over 20 years. Samson becomes a border guard between the Israelites and their enemies, the Philistines. But the problem Samson has, he liked crossing the border and hanging out with the enemies. Specifically, the women of the enemies. Every once in a while at night, he would creep down into enemy territory, and he would go and he would sleep with some of these Philistine women. Now, Philistine women, they were enemies of God. Philistine men were enemies of God, but also Philistine women were known for kind of their loose moral standards. And that just attracted Samson uh, to that area. And even though Samson knew God's law, even though he was a judge, he was a leader of Israel, and even though he had been called for a very specific purpose, just like the nation of Israel had, Samson decided, you know what, when it comes to how I date, when it comes to how my sexuality and and what I do with my body, I'm just going to be like everybody else. So, we look at Samson and his story found in Judges chapter 14, verse 1. And this is what God's word says. Samson went down to Timnah. Now, Timnah was a border town in Philistine territory. And there he what? He saw. Now, let me tell you. If you're a guy, you have a problem with your eyes, don't you? Now, if you're a guy and you say, no, I don't look at other women, I also know that you're also a liar. Because every guy, including myself, some more, you're a pastor, you're a man of the cloth, though I don't know what that means. You, you, I, yeah, I'm a pastor, but 25 years before I was a pastor, I was a man. Every guy struggles with his eyes, and Samson was no different. He saw there a young Philistine woman. So then he comes across the border where he should not have been, and he comes and he talks to his mom and dad. When he returned, he said to his mom and dad, his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go get her for me to be my wife. Kind of sit some entitlement there, right? I mean, if I was his mom and dad, I'd say, whoa, whoa, this is kind of awkward. There are enemies We're at war with these people. You're not even supposed to go across the border and you're going between the sheets with some of these ladies down there. Samson, you should know better. 
And look at what his mom and dad does. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? Which meant they probably lived in South Israel or Arkansas. Some. <laughs> Isn't there acceptable women among your relatives, among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? Look, they're not even in God's covenant. They're not even God's people. And it wasn't that God had an issue with interracial marriage. It had nothing to do with that. God always has an issue when people who are believers and they, and they, and they get hooked up and they get into, into romantic relations with people who do not believe. The Bible is so clear about that. And it's still clear about that. So, so you, Samson, you're special. You know that you're special. You're called by God to be special. I mean, an angel showed up, and your birth was predicted by an angel. You're that type of special, and you're just kind of sleeping with the enemy. And the law of Moses says, don't marry an enemy's women. It's kind of like somebody who graduated from Auburn uh, hooked up with somebody from Alabama, right? It just, uh, low tide. What's, what was that? Um <laughs> By the way, anybody see the Auburn-Arkansas game yesterday? Yes, sir. All right, so back to it. See, see, and I remember I lived in I lived in Auburn for a season, and I remember you know, people, some of the biggest fights happened uh, when a man and a woman, and I can't even make this stuff up. A man was from Auburn, and she was uh, rooting for Alabama, and I mean, they kind of brought their household gods. He had his sweatshirt, she had her sweatshirt, and they kind of it just wasn't fun. And just in that same spirit, they would bring, in Samson's culture, everybody would bring their household gods, and they would kind of mix it, and they kind of, God knew that this was going to dilute the worship of the one true living God. So the parents said, look, you shouldn't be doing this. Verse 3, Samson said to his father, get her for me because she is the what? Right one for me. Now, what's so interesting about that word right, the Hebrew word right? It's the exact same word, exact same phrase. We looked at the end of Judges that everyone did what was right in our own eyes. Exactly right. And the whole story ends as a disaster. Uh, he gets, goes and he gets married. And, of course, she wants to have the wedding in her church on her side of the border in Philistine enemy territory. So he's in enemy territory. He humili humiliates and offends everybody. And the Philistines kind of kick him out of their country, take his wife from her, marry her off to somebody else, and eventually she gets burned to death uh, because of her association with Samson. It didn't work out for anybody, especially her, Right? Then there's another story where he kind of slips over the border at night. And again, he, he, he's with a Philistine woman. And, and uh, all the Philistine the army surrounds the town and wants to kill Samson. And in this great feat of strength, Samson uses the power that God has given him for his own interests and leverages his own, basically, God's gift for him to escape. And he's just completely irresponsible. Samson is out of control. He's eaten up with lust. And he's just doing what is right in his own eyes, just like the nation of Israel. And then the story slows down when Samson meets this woman named, anybody know? Delilah. I, I remember that. Remember on Saturday nights? Delilah. Right. All right. Sorry. I'm going to tell you this story. And this story may be very familiar to you. But here's our pushback when, I, when we go through the story. When we go through the story, some of you, and I'm, I, I'm, this is going to be diff, this is a difficult sermon to preach. I, I want you to know I'm not hurling stones at you because I am in this boat as well. 
Here's the thing. There's going to be some of us who think, guys, there's no way this story could have ever happened because men aren't that stupid. And the answer I want to say to you is, yes, we are. You see, guys can get so enamored over women and their bodies that we do stupid, dumb things. So I just want to talk a little bit about guys. I'm going to talk a little bit about girls, and then we're going to get back into the story. First, let's talk about guys, okay? I'm one of you guys, and here's one of the things that I realize this. We are we're pretty much we're kind of simple, aren't we? We're driven by a few things, and the most, our desire for sex is the most powerful thing in that kind of drives men. God created guys to be simple, but then sin distorted it, and now we're just kind of all over the place. Men are simple. We need food, right? We need sex, and sometimes we need an occasional pat on the head from that lady. Isn't that right? I mean, we need food, we need sex, and we need, hey, you're doing a great job. You did. I saw you catch the touchdown. She really wasn't watching. She was talking with her girlfriends, but hey, good job, right? And let's be honest, if we had to choose one of these, we'd starve, wouldn't we? We would. We would starve. Because men are controlled by one thing, and that's our desire for sex. Now, that's, I know that's difficult, and I'm, throwing, I'm not just put, picking on you guys, because I'm picking on me. But let me just say this, ladies, and some of you ladies are like, I love this church. He preaches the word, right? Well, before you, you get all you know, high and mighty, Ladies, your problem is that many times you can be naive because you keep on believing the lies that guys tell you. And I want to talk about three of those in particularly, and then we're going to get back to uh, Samson and Delilah. The first one is this. So many times as we kind of work through this, um, you're like, man, I just love him, and he says he loves me. And the, those three words are so powerful, I love you. But many times as you talk to your girlfriends or you talk to your mom or your dad, you say this, you know what, he's just great. He's just, I just love him. I love him. Okay, I, I get that you love him, but what do you love about him? Because if you can't say specifically what do you love about him, then you're better off without him. You see, love is an emotional, very powerful thing. And you can have those desires, you can love him, but specifically what do you love about him? I mean, that's something. Secondly, let me say this. Ladies, if he can't afford you, if he can't afford to marry you, then he can't afford you, and guess what? You're worth affording. Isn't that right? If we're going to clap, let's clap. Let's go do a golf clap. Right? Here, I mean, here's what I'm saying. How many times have you heard it? You know what? Let's just move in together because it'll be cheaper for us. No, no, no. If he can't afford to be married, he can't afford you. And it doesn't mean that you're high maintenance. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means, you know what, you have enough respect for yourself and respect that God has given you that you are worth affording. I mean, here's what I know about you. You didn't, I mean, you grew up and you wanted a man to sweep you off your feet. Isn't that right? I mean, how many of y'all, you watched a Disney movie, like a princess movie? All of and really, none of you got flu Ellen. You didn't raise your hand. Thank you. See, I can see you. All right. See, all of us. All right. We've watched a Disney movie, and you that you know they, they she, he sweeps her off of her feet, and they live happily ever after, after marriage. Right. And this is not what you see. They they decided that it was you know times were tough, and they just decided to move in together and to try it out. You never see that in a Disney movie. 
Right? You just don't. Why? Because that wasn't your dream to begin with. You dreamed. You, you dreamt of that commitment, of that ceremony. And last thing, and this is kind of offensive, but know this. I, I truly believe this, and I'm not trying to offend you. I, I really do care for all of you. But ladies, God designed your body to be, as, God designed your body as dessert, not the appetizer. Some of y'all didn't like that. And I understand that. I'm not, I, I'm not speaking down. I'm not. I, I love you. And, and we're gonna t- this is the end of the message. We're going to get there. But here's what I know. Some of you know what I'm saying is true. And you don't even believe in Jesus. Because you've tried it your way, what was right in your own eyes. And it just hasn't worked. Your body is the dessert. And if you keep on serving your body up as the appetizer, no one is going to stick around for the main course. You're going to keep on getting the same old relationships ending the same way. Because sex is a powerful thing. God created it that way. It's a wonderful thing, but you get it outside the guardrails of marriage, and it can become a very, very destructive thing when we do what is right in our eyes. Now, let's go back to Samson and Delilah before everybody walks out and is mad at me. Sometime later... He fell in love with a woman from the Valley of Sorek, so on the other side of uh, the border uh, in Philistine territory, where he shouldn't be, whose name was Delilah. This time he's in love. Oh, this time. Oh my gosh, I know she is the one. I know that my first wife got burned, but forget that. She's really the one. She's a Philistine, so the Philistine, the enemies of God's people, give a Delilah and offer her some things. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said to Delilah, See if you can, what's that word? Lure him. How many of y'all ever fished before? <clears throat> I love fishing. Uh, I, I can fish with live bait. I'm not really good fishing with a lure. Now let me tell you what a lure is. A lure is something that's not real. A lure is something that looks alive and enticing. A lure is something that you jiggle in front of a fish. And the fish goes, ooh, that looks good. And then when the fish bites down, oh, that's bad. Why? Because there are hooks. And those hooks will lead to death of the fish. See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength. And how, he can, how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver, which actually turns out to be about $90,000 in today's wealth. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret. Now, by the way, I don't think she asked the question, tell me the secret, over breakfast. I think she probably whispered that into, into his ear while she was the dessert. Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. <laughs> now, this should be your first clue, right? Okay, well, what? What? I mean, the, I mean, obviously he's already subdued by Delilah because she feels comfortable by asking the question. Really? I'm telling you? I mean, and, and it's just interesting. That's what happened. So Samson answered her, get this. If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have never been dried, I'll become as weak as what? Any other man. Say that with me. Any other man. One more time. You see, Samson is saying this. I have the potential. 
Even though the Spirit of God rests in me, I have the potential, even though my birth was predicted by an angel, I have the potential to be like everybody else. Samson, why would you want to be like any other man? Why would you want to be like everybody else? Why would you even want to dip into that world? Why would you want to be average or mediocre? Samson, you have a unique opportunity. You have been set apart. Samson, God has set you up to do some amazing things. Why would you even consider letting anybody make you like any other man? Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. By the way, this is the original Fifty Shades of Grey right here. All right? He's drunk, he's passed out, and she ties him up. With men hidden in the room, yeah, you can probably let your mind go there, he calls, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes too close to a frontal flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. And I would love to be able to add the word yet, because it's only a matter of time. All of this, this is where Samson should realize, maybe this isn't a good relationship for me. I told her, it happens to me, we're done. But you know what? Samson... He becomes dumb, not because he's a strong guy or if he's a guy. It's just because sex is powerful. Now, next verse. Delilah said to Samson, you made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. And again, this is where Samson, dude, wake up. She's, she's, she's not after who you really are. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as what? Any other man. So strangely enough, the very, I mean, he gets drunk again. He passes out again. And she has these ropes that have never been used and he gets tied. Samson, the Philistines are here. He wakes up, breaks it off. And now Delilah's angry again. Next verse. Delilah then said to Samson, Until now, you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied so that you can become like any other man. Exactly right. So that you can be like everybody else. So Samson says, All right, okay, I've been lying. I get that. Here's what you need to do. And this again, this is kind of like, Wait, wait, wait. How can anybody be this dumb? The reason why, guys, you know this. We've been that dumb before, haven't we? Here's what you need to know. Sin makes smart people dumb. Sin makes smart people do some really stupid things. Sin makes women do stupid things. Sin makes men do stupid things. And here's what the Bible teaches. Sin always leads to death. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my hair, the two previous times it had nothing to do with his hair, but it's like he's getting a little bit closer into the fabric of the loom, and then tighten it with a pen, I'll become as weak as what? Any other man. So Delilah gets him drunk again, passes out again, and she gets his braids and weaves them into this ancient sewing machine. Wake, wake up, Samson. The Philistines are here, and he busts out of the, everything, and, and he's still strong. Look what happens. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Again, let's just stop here. Anybody that ever says those words, how can you say that I love you, but they don't love you? You see, 
guys, we usually feed this line to women. You know what? You say you love me, but then we should have sex. No, he's not, a- he's not after your love. He's after your body. Or, you know, if you really love me, you know, then we'll just, we, won't, we won't wait for marriage. We're just going to move in together. And again, let me tell you, you're not, it's not like trying out a new car. Women, you're not a, you're just, you're not a car. You're not a shoe. You, you are worth affording. Oh, man. So you see this, and she's just manipulating him. If you said you love me, you won't confide in me. And that, those words, I love you, are so powerful. It's the reason why so many of us have fallen in love with the wrong people, and they've pulled us away from God and not towards God. And this is what happens in verse 16. This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Don't get mad at me, ladies. It's in the Bible. I don't know who emphasized it with the yellow, but I blame that on Justin Tucker. So he told her everything. I mean, so if the sex didn't work, her nagging in the words would. Ladies, you should know this. You have tremendous power over men. You do. And, and, I, and I don't know your name, but if you're leveraging your bodies, if you're leveraging your words just to kind of get of what's right in your own eyes, if you're kind of trolling with your bodies, I'm just going to say, and again, I don't know your name, but I, I just want to kind of be the same. Don't do it anymore because it's going to come back and it's going to bite you. It's not going to be good for you. Because God doesn't want you to be like everybody else. Do you know that God wants for you? God wants for you to live from the inside out. Which means from your wonderful outside beauty, that you can be beautiful on the outside, great. But here's what God's Word says. In Proverbs 31, it says, Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last. But a woman who loves the Lord will be greatly praised. You can look great on the outside, but God is more concerned about your heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You see, God wants you to be beautiful from the, from the, from the inside out. He doesn't want you to be like everybody else. So Delilah leverages her body, her nagging words, and Samson tells her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite. Let's say those next three words. Dedicated to God since birth. Now, so Samson's preaching a sermon to Delilah while he's laying with her on the sheets. Okay, no, you what you don't seem to understand, Delilah, is I am dedicated to God. Really? You dedicated to God. Samson should be like, whoa, then what am I doing here? What am I doing here? How stupid have I been? I'm on the wrong side of the border with the wrong people, loving the wrong woman, and I'm waking up with stuff tied around me. I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God since birth. Samson tells Delilah, listen, what you don't seem to understand about me, an angel predicted my birth. Uh, God has called me and set me up to do some amazing, extraordinary things. And when people see me in my long hair, they know that there's something different about me, that I am strong. (laughs) But Samson, even though he was strong on the outside, was really weak on the inside. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as, let's say it, any other man. Translation, I'm going to be like everybody else. So they had another passionate night. 
he gets drunk again. He passes out again. And Delilah's thinking, how am I going to spend that 90 grand? And what Delilah doesn't know is 3,300 years later, we're going to be talking bad about her on October the 23rd, 2016. He, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. That's interesting how the writer writes that because I think he had been subdued for quite some time. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and just shake myself free. But look at the last part of this verse. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That has to be one of the saddest verses in our Bible. Because the secret of Samson's strength wasn't his hair. The secret of Samson's strength was that God, the Holy Spirit, lived inside of him. But he kept on compromising and compromising and wanting to be like everybody else and being like any other man and doing his sexuality like everybody else. And eventually, Samson became like everybody else. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and maybe Samson, the last thing he saw was Delilah. Maybe the last thing that went through his mind was, how did I not see this coming? Maybe he realized that in an expression of his freedom, in the abuse of the gift that God had given Samson, he had become a prisoner to the very people whose lifestyles he was trying to copy. And the Philistines seized him, got out, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, because they weren't going to take any chances. They set him to grinding in the prison. And there, Samson dies in shackles. Samson dies as a prisoner. This is the end of the opportunity that Samson had to become all that God had wanted him to be, because he just settled to be like everybody else. Do you know you have no idea what God wants to do in your life? Do you know that? You have no idea what God wants to do with you and through you and in you. You have no idea of what God could do if you took your life in your heart and totally yielded it to him. If you said, I'm going to trust you with my whole life. I'm going to trust you with all of my finances. I'm going to trust you with how I date. I'm going to trust you with how I relate to the opposite sex and sexual intimacy. I'm going to trust you with my sexuality. You have no idea what God could do in you and through you and with the generation that comes after you because you've yielded your life fully over to God. And let me just simply say this. For some of you, you're, 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 you're a lady in here, and I, I simply just want to say, ladies, if you follow God and date the way God wants you to date, not becoming the appetizer or a test drive for some guy who fed you a line, you will realize that doing God's way is better, that dating God's way is better, it's healthier, in relationships with godly men. Why? Because following God will make you better and make you better at life. And guys, if you're in here, 
If you follow God and date the way God wants you to date, not taking a second look, not just lusting after women, not getting involved in pornography, if you give them the honor and respect that they deserve because they're daughters of God, you will realize that you will date better. You will start finding different caliber of women. And you will realize that following God will make you better and make you better at life. And you say, well, Chris, I'm not Samson. I didn't have a big birth announcement. In fact, I really, some of you can say, I, I didn't even know my parents. I was adopted or this or that. Or, or I thought my parents finally told me I was an accident. Uh, here's what I, I just want you to simply say this. The same Holy Spirit that came upon Samson that gave him strength, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, you have that same Spirit who can give you that inner strength. So that when you ask the question, What do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? What are you going to do? Or what are you going to do from this point forward? What are you going to do from what are you going to plan to do that you can answer it with something like this? Instead of doing what is right in your own eyes, you yield your heart and you do what God says. Know this. I know this is a difficult message. And if I came across condescending or anything, I I know this. I am not that. And forgive me if it came across that way. I simply wanted to say this. I am a guy, and I struggle as well. All of us in here struggle with our junk. But doing ministry for the past 30 years, I can't tell you how sick to my stomach I get when a couple... And it's usually not even a couple. It's usually one person shows up in my office. And they feel the pain of an affair or an emotional affair, a physical affair. And they hear, I I think it's going to end. Some of you know the pain of that because somebody cheated on you or maybe you cheated on someone. And some of you, you if you could go back and tell your earlier self, your younger self, don't do it. Don't be like everybody else. I know this looks fun for a time, and it'll be fun, but it's not going to end the way you want it to. Because even though it looks great, and it, it looks like there's like it's a lure. There are hooks in there. And this will wreck your life. Here's what I know about Samson. We're going to see Samson in heaven. We're going to see him because he had faith in God. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to see Samson. And Samson, I think he's probably shake his head and say, I wish I could go back and do it differently. Here's what I want for you guys as we close, as the band comes. I know, actually, we're not going to do a song. So, I just simply want to say this. Think about when you get 40, 50, 60 years old and you look back on your life. You don't want to be filled with regret over a person who you don't even know her name anymore. You don't want that. You want to not be like everybody else. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know we're a people who struggle. We're just like, in a lot of ways, everybody struggles. We know that, God. And it's not because you want us to struggle. It's just because sin has really messed us up. And has gotten our desires and our appetites way out of whack. And guys, we struggle 
Ladies, we struggle because we're sinners and we're messy. But I praise God that He sent His one and only Son for messy people. That while we were still really messy in our sinning and sinning and sinning, He died for us. And what I pray, I pray that the rest of all of us in here as we leave and we start doing life for the rest of the week, we would not settle just being like everybody else. That we would do dating and life and our sexuality and everything differently because Jesus is our Savior and Jesus is our Lord. For it's in your heavenly name that we pray.